You are listening to the Running With God podcast. More than nominal Christianity. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Running With God podcast. I am your host, Coach Darby. It's been a while since we've had a new episode, so just want to update you on a few things um, in the life of this runner. As many of my dedicated listeners probably remember, I was getting ready to run a marathon uh, here in Savannah, Georgia, uh, back in early November. And unfortunately, I got to the marathon, got registered, got my bib, was excited, ready to run the next day. And then the morning of the race, literally an hour before the race, the race director sent out a message that they were canceling the marathon due to unseasonably uh, cold temperatures and severe rain in the Savannah, Georgia area. So they backed all of the marathoners um, out of the marathon and deferred us to the uh, half marathon, um, which I did complete the half marathon, um, enjoyed it. But just to, to say the least, it was just kind of disheartening, um, especially when I got to the point where the half marathoners and the marathoners would have split and gone two separate directions. Um, of course, that area of the course was barricaded off at that point. But just looking at that split that would have taken place at mile 12, I was feeling really good. I, I'll be honest, man. I was just I was in the zone. I was having a great day. Um, I had a lot of energy, had a lot of pep in my step. I could tell my training had paid off. And it was just very disheartening to just have that kind of energy and that kind of momentum and ultimately end up only doing a half marathon when I had prepared for a full. The good news is um, the rock and roll group uh, did give us a coupon code so that anybody that was denied a chance to run the marathon could defer to a future one. So I deferred my race registration to rock and roll Nashville. I'm heading back to Nashville to run the marathon there in April. I believe the date's April 23rd. Um, so Music City, very excited about that. That's actually the city where I ran my very first marathon. Um, can't tell you that I'm looking forward to those hills, though. A lot of hills in Nashville. It's not an easy course. Certainly wouldn't have been as easy of a course as um, Savannah, but uh, looking forward to it nonetheless. Um, going to run with my good friend John Pye, who he was getting ready to do his very first marathon in Savannah and um, he, he was under the same dilemma I was an hour before the race when it got canceled and deferred to the half. So he was, he was pretty devastated too, but I think he is also going to do uh, rock and roll Nashville in April. So very excited for that. Um, in the meantime, along with the Savannah half marathon, I did another half marathon called the Tron half marathon. And when I got back to my house and looked at my bibs and my uh, medals, I realized I'd hit a landmark half marathon. I'd done my 50th half marathon. So I was very excited to kind of hit that landmark of running. Love the half marathon distance. Know I'm going to do uh, many, many more uh, considering, you know, uh, hopefully God blesses me with the days and the health to do so. I love the half marathon distance. So very excited to hit that landmark. Well, let's get into what we're studying today, and that is running through suffering. And I have a question for you. If I were to ask you, um, as Christ followers, you know, what is something that you feel like you need to grow in? Give me a, 
a top list of things that you would hope to grow in as to not be a nominal Christian. Um, I would imagine if I was asked the same question, I would answer the question uh, in such a way saying, you know, I, I really need to grow in my knowledge of the Bible, of the scriptures. Maybe I even need to memorize uh, more verses or commit more verses to memory. Um, some might say that they want to grow in their prayer life, that they want to be a more dedicated prayer, um, to, to set aside time to really intimately play, pray to the Lord, um, and uh, maybe even attend small group prayer meetings, that type of thing. Others may say they want to be a good steward of their resources, that, that they recognize all the, the, the richness and the blessing that God has given them, and they may evaluate whether or not they're using their resources to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Those would be, in my opinion, typical responses to such a question. Um, how would you mature as a Christ follower? But I, I doubt very few would list this one, preparing to suffer well. And the reason is, is we probably don't like to think about suffering. I mean, who wants to think about suffering? Um, it's one of those things that as Christ followers, we see it often. Um, we have different opinions about it. We have different takes on it. We have different responses to it, but it's certainly not something we like to dwell on. And it's probably not something we would say, you know, I want to be better at suffering. You know, I want to, I want to walk well through suffering. It's probably not going to make our top 10 list of things that we would want to do to be less nominal Christians. So talking about suffering today, continuing on this series about suffering that we have going on. And if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to read with me. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 today, and we're going to be looking again at the topic of suffering. But in this instance, we're going to be looking at how to walk through suffering well. So once again, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, uh, along with a number of other verses that come from First Peter, and if I had to create a tagline for this particular podcast, I would call it "Preparing to Suffer Well." Um, one of my favorite pastors and authors, Matt Carter, preached on this subject recently, and I really like some of the things that that he had to say about what it looks like to prepare to suffer well. And one of the reasons that we need to prepare for it, because if we don't prepare for it, suffering has the ability to derail our faith. Um, a few things that we need to agree upon before we read the scriptures today is that suffering is inevitable. Um, Pastor Carter uh, makes mention an example of the ocean tides. He says that suffering is like the ocean tides. We go through certain seasons of life where the 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 suffering tide is is very high and it's very strong and and we're in the midst of it and it, it may even at times seem like we're going to drown, but we also go through seasons of of life where that suffering tide seems to to go out and it seems to be at a low level and we experience a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy, a lot of comfort. Things are just really going well, but as sure as the ocean tides that tide of suffering inevitably will always come back for more. It always returns. Um, so it's inevitable. And suffering typically results in something. So my question is, does suffering draw you nearer to God? Or does suffering turn your heart away from God? 
I think it's an awful lot like combat. Um, I've known lots of folks that have been involved in the Marines or in the Army Rangers. Um, My good running friend of mine for many years was a career Marine. He's got some very interesting stories to tell. My college roommate for a, a long period of time was an Army Ranger after college. Um, I've had some family members involved in the U.S. Armed Forces. And in talking with these folks, um, especially any of these folks that have had real wartime or battle time stories to tell, um, it's very interesting anytime they tell a story and the bullets start flying. Um, The common theme that I've heard over and over again is once the bullets start flying and they're in this mode of defending themselves, their training takes over. That's that's a common theme that I've heard uh, many of these folks say that that basically they just snap into action. It just becomes muscle memory and all of those things, those hours that were spent training for the battlefield, all of those things suddenly kick into place um, when the bullets start flying. And I think that suffering is very similar in that it would not be wise to prepare for combat after the bullets start flying. You have to do so much before you ever get to that battlefield to, to be able to defend yourself or defend your country or defend uh, your, your military group, whatever it may be. Uh, suffering is very similar. If we're waiting until the storm gets here, the storm of suffering, the bullets of suffering, if we're waiting for those bullets of suffering to start flying before we ever prepare for suffering, um, we're setting ourselves up for disaster and potentially for our faith to be derailed. So it's a lot like combat. So four big key points that I want us to look at when we're examining 1 Peter um, through this podcast. Um, Number one, um, I want us to believe that we need to be prepared to suffer and prepared to suffer well. Number two, I want us to see that God uses suffering to reveal the genuineness of our faith. Number three, God uses suffering as an opportunity for future joy. And lastly, number four, that because of suffering, we have this unique opportunity to experience the nearness of God. So let's dive into the text. Let's dive into 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And Peter says here, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I find it interesting here that right out of the gate, Peter says, you know, when suffering comes as a Christ follower, don't be surprised. And I think that's something that we really have to wrap our minds around today. I don't think the first century Christians had a hard time seeing suffering and persecution coming their way. But we, as 21st century Christians, most certainly do, because if we um, would agree on this, we have lived relatively most of our lives without any kind of persecution. Persecution, for the most part of my Christian walk at least, has been non-existent. It hasn't been until recent years that I've started to feel just tiny amounts of persecution. And I, and I know that even in the area that I live, the Bible Belt of the United States, the Southeast, The persecution that I feel for my beliefs as a Christ follower is still very, very minimal compared to other parts of the country or even the world. I live in relative ease and comfort. I'm not suffering for food each and every day. I don't have to wonder where my next meal is coming from. I have a job. I have a roof over my head. I have air conditioning. Right now, it's in the middle of winter, so I have heat, which is more important. 
I'm not suffering uh, like many are in the world today, and certainly not suffering as a Christ follower would have in the first century, the, the group that Peter is talking to us. Sometimes, because of all that relative ease and comfort that we experience, um, uh, any amount of persecution today, it shocks us. It just appalls us. We just don't understand how to cope or deal with it. And right out of the gate here in First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter is saying, number one, guys, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when suffering comes your way. And I think it's so important to really grasp that concept because we have a group of pastors that are out there today preaching this health and wealth gospel. And if you're unfamiliar with the health and wealth gospel that I'm referring to, you've got certain pastors and teachers out there that are trying to convince you and teach you that if you will simply have enough faith, that if you'll, if you'll believe and, and do your best to be a good Christ follower, that God will bless you and you can avoid suffering altogether. Now, that's a problem. And the biggest problem with that teaching is it is completely unbiblical completely unbiblical. I mean, when you look at example after example in the Bible, that's not what you see. You don't see people that had great faith being able to avoid suffering altogether. In fact, I see more examples of people that had great faith that endured more suffering. I mean, when you look at the example of Job, when you look at the example of Paul, when you look at the example of Peter, who we're reading from today, when you look at the example of Jesus, you see suffering abound in these people who had great faith. So I just don't buy into that health and wealth gospel, and I hope you would really research that before you buy into it as well. Um, Scripture is not teaching us how to avoid suffering. Scripture is teaching us how to walk well through it. I mean, if you look back to how Jesus ended his Sermon on the Mount, we have to go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, I'll give you a chance to do so. Once again, this is how Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount. In the words of Jesus, he says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had been built on the foundation of the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall. Now I want you to think back to what I just read, the words of Jesus, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. What revealed the foundation of both of those houses? What did Jesus say revealed what both of those houses were built on? He said it was the storms. And that was the next point that I wanted to make. Point number two is that Jesus uses suffering to reveal the genuineness of your faith. And what could possibly reveal the genuineness of your faith. It's easy to have great faith when times are going well, but in Christ's example on the Sermon of the Mount, it's when the waters rise and the winds blow and the storms come, that is what reveals the genuineness of faith. And if your faith doesn't have the right foundation, great 
will be the fall. That's what Jesus says. So point number three, view suffering as an opportunity for future joy. If we go back to 1 Peter and read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, we keep going from verse 12 to verse 13. Peter says, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And that's just a beautiful verse of scripture right there where Peter is basically saying, when you're suffering for the name of Jesus, you should rejoice because it not only validates the genuineness of your faith, but it also points to salvation and it points to judgment day and it points to the day when his glory is going to be revealed so that you may be completely overjoyed. It validates what you believe. It's, it's faith seen at this point. And if we look at the last point I was wanting to make today, that's, it's that suffering is a unique opportunity to experience the nearness of God. So once again, going back to 1 Peter chapter 4, this time we're going to be looking at verse 14. It says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, then you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What that's saying there is that when you're going through suffering, when you are insulted because of the name of Jesus, when you are persecuted because of your faith, God rests on you. He's nearer to you. His presence is physically closer to you. And Peter is not the first person to say this. This was actually said in a, in a similar way by King David um, back in the Psalms. If you were to go to Psalm chapter 34, ver- verse 18, it's a very familiar verse of Scripture here. Um, this is David, the psalmist, writing, and he says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Isn't that a beautiful verse? It just reminds us about the nearness of God to the brokenhearted, to those who are in the trenches, those who are going through suffering because of his namesake. Um, God doesn't neglect us. He doesn't turn his back on us. He recognizes that his followers have essentially signed up for more suffering than, than others are accustomed to and suffering that is rooted uh, oftentimes in the pursuit of Christ in being a Christ follower in being um, anything but nominal. Um, it, it basically signs us up for more suffering and more persecution. And don't you see that? I mean, when you really study God's word, you see uh, all of these great men and women of faith who went through a significant amount of suffering um, for the sake of the glory of God, um, for, for their beliefs, um, whether they were chastised for their beliefs, whether they were condemned to death um, because of what they believed, um, you see suffering abound. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because, once again, going back to our points, we shouldn't be surprised by it. It's the norm. Um, it is a validation for the genuineness of our faith. It's a test for the genuineness of our faith. Um, it draws us near to God, and God is closer to us, and it's an opportunity for future joy. It's an opportunity to, to celebrate one day in eternity um, because we were right, because our faith was validated, um, and because following Jesus was worth it. Um, so those are all components of what makes uh, suffering something that we should desire to walk well through. 
I want to end this podcast with a great quote from Pastor Charles Spurgeon. Uh, if you don't know Charles Spurgeon, he was an English pastor of the 1800s, um, had a lot of profound uh, quotes, profound sermons and wisdom to pass along. And one of the things that Charles Spurgeon was famous for saying was this. He said, I have learned to kiss the wave that slams me into the rock of ages. In other words, what Pastor Spurgeon is saying is he has learned to embrace the suffering that draws him closer to God. Um, And that would be my message for you today. It would be to prepare for suffering, to not be caught blindsided by suffering, to certainly not let suffering derail your faith, but to view suffering as an opportunity for your faith to be validated, for your faith to be found genuine, for you to draw near to God, and for something great to be accomplished through that suffering. And when you get to a point to where suffering actually strengthens you, when it reveals your foundation to be the rock of ages, the rock of Jesus Christ, when suffering validates your faith, draws you to future joy, and draws you to a new nearness to God where you embrace Him and know Him even greater than you knew Him prior to the suffering, that right there is anything but nominal. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Running With God podcast, more than nominal Christianity. Send us an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com.